You're listening to Kickin' the Panties, your weekly motivational podcast for getting unstuck, recommitted, or newly engaged in a life worth living. Season 2. This one's about love. I'm Becca Kelly, mama extraordinaire and badass boss lady. And I'm Carol, dating coach with a brand new YouTube channel, Ask Carol and Ashley. Are you ready for a swift kick in the panties? So today we are talking about dating your reflection. And me Mm -hmm. and Becca kind of came at this from two different angles. Um, So instead of really introducing what we're going to be talking about, I'm going to let Becca say her piece. I'm going to say how I kind of came at this subject. And we're going to discuss, are you ready to talk about dating your reflection? Yay! (laughs) Yes, I am. (laughs) You know what's funny is that when we sat down to make our list of topics, and we had like a lot, and then we had to go back and sort of pare it down to what really made sense for, you know, what we talk about in order, like what people are going to find useful. And we both said, yeah, dating your reflection. We were like, yes, yes, that definitely has to be on there. And then we actually got to this part where we're like, okay, well, let's talk about it. And we both totally understood that to mean something really different, which I think is pretty funny. Um, So what I thought, I thought about dating your reflection as uh, the tendency that we all have to sort of surround ourselves and date folks who are just like us. Um, and how comfortable that can be. So we tend to gravitate toward people who are like us, but there's a lot to learn, I think, from interacting and, you know, dating people who are different from us, different cultures, Mm -hmm. different politics, different points of view, could engage parts of your brain and spirit that you didn't even know were there. And so, you know, like I said, I think dating someone who is similar from the same background, from the same neighborhood, from, you know, middle school or whatever, um, might be super comfortable, but it definitely won't be challenging. And I don't think, you know, when we talked last week about how important it is to be open-minded and that, Mm -hmm. you know, really if you're in a state of growth or you want to be in a state of growth to becoming someone better than you are right now, um, you know, living with the status quo is, is probably not the best option. So I would just recommend, uh, rather than trying to find people that are going to agree with everything you say and that look just like you to opening your dating pool to other types of people. And I think especially if you live in a small city or a big city, like all of a sudden, if you're willing to go outside of your very um, myopic view of what is out there for you, then you might find yourself with a dating pool that's like three times as large. And then, you know, all of a sudden you can find the one one for you. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with that. And this kind of makes me think about my sister because she was dating this guy. And and while she was dating him, she had a job as a therapist and she kind of just felt like she felt like she wanted to do more, maybe some sort of life coach or start some sort of um, business of her own. But she really like she had pushed that down so far that she just wasn't thinking about it and she was going to be good with her nine to five, you know, whatever. Then she yeah. started dating this guy who was super into being an entrepreneur and starting his own thing. And it really opened her eyes to this whole new world and started re- her reading different books and all this other thing, all these other things to kind of expand her mind. And now she's completely on like an entrepreneur uh, path and mindset and I think if she would have never met that guy she might have never even thought like that before she might have just felt like that unsettled feeling and just kept pushing it down until this guy kind of brought that up sure And not only people you date, I mean, like your friendships, you know, um, Mm -hmm. people you spend time with, like if you're like someone said to me the other day, you know, you're, you're the sum of the seven people you hang out with or something like that, you know, right. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. So if all those people are exactly the same, I mean, that you're just kind of like 
you know, the, the median of nothing. That's <laughs> I don't true know. because I spend so much time with the baby now that like I'll make a face and I'll think to myself, am I making the same face the baby is making? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like it just consumes, he just consumes like all my thoughts. All of a and, sudden like, you're I think just I like make my faces no like, like <laughs> asking Paul to change your diaper. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What did you think it meant? So when I thought about dating your reflection, um, I thought about this kind, this belief that I have that we choose to be with people who reflect our innermost feelings about ourselves in their words and actions. So you choose people whose words and actions match your inner dialogue best. For example, when I was in a physically or, ver- or verbally abusive relationship, I didn't think, you know what, I kind of like being called a bitch and a whore, but I did think terrible mm-hmm. things about myself. <laughs> right. Sneaky bad thoughts. Yeah. I ruminated about all the bad decisions I had made. So some guy treating me like I could never do anything right felt familiar. It felt right. Our brains are always looking for congruency. We want our reality to match up with our beliefs. So when our lives don't match our expectations, we feel uncomfortable and uneasy. So if I met some guy who treated me like I was smart, like he trusted my decisions, like he trusted me, period, it would have made me uncomfortable because I questioned my own judgment. However, now my abusive ex wouldn't get the time of day from me because being treated badly feels foreign because I don't treat myself badly anymore. Oh my God. Yes. Wait, I have something to say about this really quick. I used to date this guy and you know, it was the classic thing that you're saying. I was younger. He was a little older. Like I had a weird bad idea of myself. He corroborated all of that. You know, it just Mm -hmm. was like this, this like kind of a nasty situation. So I didn't see him for a while. I moved away. Like I was just like, I'm done with you and I'm not going to ever talk to you again. And then about, you know, three or four months after I moved, and this was like something that I had been continuously trying to drag myself up out of for like months and months and months after it had ended. I was still, you know, we were circling back to each other. It was just like all this whole thing. He was dating someone else, but I was still seeing him. Like this whole gross thing was happening. So anyway, I got this distance from it and I started to feel better and then, you know, become more stable and, you know, was away from him. And then he happened to be in New York. And so he got in touch with me and I went up there to have lunch with him. And mm-hmm. I remember this. I was sitting across the table from him thinking like, what did I ever see in this person? Right. You know? And the, my point is that when I was in it, when I was under his thumb, I couldn't see my way out. Like I couldn't even imagine a life where there wasn't some connection between us. But even just that like little bit of time, it was like four or five months, yeah. gave me this new perspective of like, I was like, if this was a first date, I would be like... Like, I'm out of what's here. wrong with this person? Yeah. You know, who is this guy? <laughs> exactly. Like, get me out of here. You know, I'd be like, I'd be doing the thing where I'd be like, I have to go to the bathroom and crawling out the bathroom window. You know, and this <laughs> is someone that just a couple months before was like my entire world was revolving around this, you know, this idiot. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's true. Um, and I'm sure people are probably thinking right now, well, what about the guy who cheated on me and broke my heart? Did I somehow think I deserved to be cheated on? And I'd say, no, you might not think you deserve to be cheated on, but that's just a symptom of an underlying problem or belief. Like, if you would have asked me then if I deserved to get cursed out for making my ex's dinner plate wrong, I'd say, no, of course not. But what did I believe to even end up with a guy like that? And what did you do when it happened? You know, so that's the other thing is you might not believe that you deserve to get cheated on, but 
like are, like if you treat so if your partner comes to you and says I've cheated on you and you're like oh like I was expecting that you know like you, yeah you, it may not be that you think you deserve it but you might think that it's the eventual outcome and even right. that is you know very dangerous thinking because someone's just gonna go oh well if you're expecting this then I guess I'm free to do it yeah exactly then like when uh, I would get cursed out for fixing my ex's dinner plate wrong, like things that I believed to make me not just leave at that point where I believed that I wasn't trustworthy and I couldn't trust myself to make good decisions. I believed that I actively and historically made bad decisions. I believed that I was not capable. I believed that I was stupid. So yes, those beliefs led me to be with someone who treated me that way. So if you're with a womanizer, maybe your underlying beliefs are commitment is scary. I can't trust men. Men will hurt me. Men are liars. Women are competition. I can't trust myself to pick the right man. If you believe those things, someone may come into your life and you might miss all the signs and red flags that you're with a liar or someone untrustworthy because when they display those characteristics, you look past them because you think it's normal or even reasonable behavior. So you might have stayed after he lied to you about his ex and that they still keep in touch. You might have stayed after he didn't call you for a whole weekend. You might have stayed even though he turned his phone off when you spent the night. It felt good to hear him talk badly about other women you suspected him of being with. Instead of those things making you feel uncomfortable enough to leave, it felt familiar to you because those actions already lined up with your deepest beliefs about men. Hmm. You know what's interesting too, though, is we, we always talk about it from the angle of like, oh, you know, this person was under the grasp of this other person. You know, this bad person was doing these things to you. But mm -hmm. I think there's this other angle to look at this where there's lots of times where your beliefs about what you deserve in a relationship or your beliefs about how relationships are make you a shitty person to date. So, right. you know, not only like, are you, are you with a womanizer or like, are you a womanizer yourself? Like, are yeah. you going out into the world and dating several people at once and not being honest with them and lying about where you've been? Are you stringing people along initially with like a promise of uh, a solid relationship when you know that at month three you're going to ghost them? You know, and right. are you doing those things because you have underlying beliefs about what it's like to be in a relationship or because commitment is scary or because you can't trust anyone or because you are not, you know, allowed to be vulnerable? And so exactly. I think like looking at it from, yes, I've been with people that were bad and like this is why I allowed myself to be with people that are bad. But also what about the times I treated people badly? What was I mm -hmm. believing about myself and them in those situations too? Yes. So I think all of this is, and probably all of our episodes honestly are asking you to Look for where you've been responsible in these things that you feel like are happening to you. Because a lot of times, like Becca said, we feel like these things are happening to us, but we are allowing them to happen. And it's not just what we allow, but what we actively seek and what we're actually every day doing to become closer to what we want to be and to have more of what we want in our life, right? Yes, I agree. So I came up with two tips, which are actually our homework for this week, um, because they are some action steps. Our, my first tip is examine your past relationships. Look for places you were hurt early on and ask yourself why you stayed. 
Using the example from earlier, if your relationship ended with infidelity on your partner's part, did you ignore early warning signs? Did they act super protective of their phone? Did they accuse you of cheating all the time? Did they do other shady things that you look at back at now and see as a sign? Like Becca said, when you get some distance between um, your relationship, when your relationship ended and who you are now, you can see more clearly all the signs that you missed along the way that would have pointed you in the direction that this person is not being honest or this person might be someone who will hurt you or cheat on you in the end. And what did you look past? Because that'll tell you um, some things about yourself. Ask oh, yeah. yourself. Self-reflection and analysis. It, that's great. Yes. Always. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's how, like, how do you improve? If you're not looking, if you're not willing to look back and see the places where you tripped up or failed, you know, if it's too painful to look at your past, how is your future going to be brighter? I mean, it just won't be. If you're not right. willing to do some of this stuff and like, you know, the homework, maybe you think it's cheesy. Maybe you listen to it and you don't actually do it, but it gives you food for thought. But sometimes if you sit down and really think and write a little list or write a little note to yourself in your journal like you can uncover some some gems that you yourself can teach you absolutely so what made you stay after all those red flags why did you not identify them as a red flag how did these actions by your ex make you feel good or comforted for example if they were super protective of their phone why did you ignore it did you or did you not ignore it and you argued over it and you enjoyed arguing over it because it made him prove himself to you and did making him prove himself to you make you feel good? And did it make you feel good because you don't trust yourself to make the right choice with men anyway? So sometimes when we are experiencing these negative things in our lives or our relationships, we keep them around because at some level it makes us feel good. At some level it makes us feel comfortable. So like I said, if maybe you have to, you're putting yourself in a position where you're constantly arguing with your guy about something he did that was untrustworthy and he has to constantly reassure you and reassure you in this argument, maybe that's what you really like. Maybe that's what you really need to hear, the reassurance, because you have trust issues anyway. So you forget all about the fact that he did something that made you question him. Now you're just feeling good because now you get to hear him say, oh no, this is nothing. I love you. You know you're the only one for me. I would never do something like that to you. You're the best person I've ever been with and all that kind of stuff. And that's the reason why you're staying. So keep asking yourself, what did I get out of my ex's bad behavior and in what ways did I enjoy it? Why did it feel right even though it was wrong? My second tip is take 30 minutes to an hour and write down all your beliefs about yourself, relationships, men or women, dating, and reasons why your relationships have ended. So this is basically asking that not all your beliefs about yourself, maybe your career or finances or something are concerned, but your beliefs about just relationships and dating in general. Um, and give yourself time to really dig deep. Where can you find places where your beliefs about your relationships, yourself, or men or women may have affected your past relationships. For example, a list might look like this. Um, love is painful. Commitment is scary. I hate being vulnerable. I'll end up being hurt. Men are liars. I can't count on anyone. And if someone had all these beliefs, they catch someone they're dating in a lie, they might keep dating them because they believe all men lie. They can't trust them anyway. Maybe it's better to be with a liar because I don't have to commit and I won't have to be vulnerable. You might not 
think these exact phrases, but subconsciously you do, and you will feel good being with someone who won't commit to you because you hate being vulnerable anyway, and so now you don't have to, and that's a win. So examine your list and see if your beliefs around yourself and relationships are hindering your chances at a successful partnership. I was let's see, I overheard this woman at the gym the other day. This made me think of her. She mm-hmm. was kind of like a like a little bit older than me, I think, like probably early 40s, I would say. And she's really cute, you know. She's at the gym working out, looking mm-hmm. good. And I overheard her talking to her friend and the friend was asking her about dating and she said something like it was something like, "Yeah, I would get back out there if like all men weren't shit tards or you know something like that and yeah. I was like well I'm not surprised that you're not successful dating if you're showing up to every date thinking that the guy you're sitting across from is you know a shitty person a, yeah a like shit you already have judged them as a shitty person mouth. like the amount of proving they have to do to her because she's damaged and hurt is exhausting and that woman when she goes on a date and a man is treats her shitty or whatever she's gonna just say well all men are shitty so maybe i'll give him a second date and then like she might end up just reconfirming her beliefs and a lot of times that's what happens when you believe something negative you actively look to confirm that belief and Mm -hmm. so you end up in the exact situation (laughs) that you were saying that you didn't want but because you believed it to be true you're in it right exactly Exactly. You know, I I was thinking about this homework and about things that I've done in the past that damaged my ability to be in a like a good, successful relationship. And I was thinking about this thing that I do. And I was going to I was going to say women do. But I think, you know, we we get in trouble with just the the heteronormative language because we're both in straight relationships. So that's like the experience that we have. But, you know, of course, everything applies all the way across the board. And we love all of you guys to be loving whoever. But One thing I've done in the past, and I think a lot of people do this, is in an effort to not be like not cool, I can make myself seem too distant or um, like like I'm so worried about being thirsty that I just won't show up at all. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Or like, like, or I've let myself get treated badly because I don't want to call someone on their bad behavior because I feel like that's going to make me seem like a nag or something. And this was a misconception I had for all of my dating life, really, until I met Emil. You know, like I had this attitude of like, well, I'm not going to call. It's been three days, but I'm not going to call him because that's going to make me seem like I want it too bad or whatever. I need to seem chill, you know, but, but when you're not really chill, that the person can tell anyway it's like a total wasted effort to try to to try to not be yourself um in order to convince someone to like you is just ridiculous because they're going to find even if you can convince them that you're someone else eventually they're going to find out who you are i mean you can't completely hide your nature cracks in the veneer yeah i mean you're going to have to find someone that likes you for who you are and so like i think the worst thing we can do especially as we get older is waste time with people that are not a match for us and be thinking like, how can I, you know, like for instance, say, say you're dating a woman and it's obvious that her priorities are to, uh, spend a lot of money and have a lot of money. And you're a guy that is in an internship and is in line for a good job. But at the moment you are kind of living on your credit cards and you don't have anything. Well, you can keep taking this woman out to dinner and pretending like you have money, but at the end of the like week, month, year, you're going to run out of money and then she's going to know who you are. And then 
she's going to leave because you lied. And so right. I think like like the best lesson that I, I took from doing this homework and looking and thinking about, you know, what my beliefs have been and what they are now is that the real true best thing you can do to establish a firm foundation with someone that you want to be with is be totally honest and upfront about who you are. And if that causes them to walk away from you, great. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be way easier to weed people out that way than to try to pretend to be someone that you're not. And also to notice that in relationships, often we pick people who will uh, kind of expose our vulnerabilities. And I think that's a lot of times where people get uncomfortable in relationships because it feels uncomfortable to be vulnerable. But someone, like say you have abandonment issues because someone, you know, you had a really bad breakup and some guy you really loved, like just left you without explanation. Or your parents left. Or your parents left. Then maybe in relationships, you might show up as a clingy person because you're scared of this person abandoning you. But a lot of times clingy people choose to be with people who won't commit or who will only give them little pieces of their time because it allows them to continue with the belief that this person is going to leave me. And that feels more comfortable than being with someone who will actually meet you and kind of uh, almost heal that trigger instead of yeah. exasperating it. Well, in therapy, in therapy, they call this um, reenactment. So, okay. you, you know, if you have a trauma in your life that what you're going to do naturally is select people that will Ooh, yes. reinforce the message of the trauma and will re-engage you in the trauma over and over again. Exactly. And that's something that, you know, if you are doing that and this by doing the homework and sitting down and examining your beliefs, um, especially if you've been chronically unsuccessful in love, you know, this could be an important exercise that you do but if you can get to that source of why you believe what you believe like you said if you know you can get to the point of like oh duh my dad walked out when I was a kid I never saw him again and now I'm always you know I, I find at my core that I'm afraid that my partner's gonna leave um if you could deal with that and start working on that and massaging that then yeah I think you can get to a you know a better place where you can be a better partner and you can allow someone to be a better partner to you Right. So all back to self-reflection, people do this homework and reflect on the way you are showing up in your relationships and the way your beliefs are molding the person that you do show up as and how you can kind of um, heal any wounds that you have before getting into a new relationship. So the person that is being reflected back is a person that you want to see. <laughs> Love it. Good ending. <laughs> You didn't even have that written. You just came up with that right off the top of your little dome. And that's so rare for me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What a full circle. Okay. So, um, guys, big ask. Please share this podcast with people you know. Please tell one person about it. I think we're going to make some t-shirts. And yeah. um, maybe we will do a t-shirt giveaway or something. Because we need to motivate you fuckers to tell people and share this <laughs> podcast and sing our praises because come on you know you love this you know you love yes. hearing our voices and we're not going to be able to do it if we can ever make any money doing it right yeah and there's so many panties that need kicking oh so many panties need kicking all the panties all the panties in the world need a kick um so share review rate share 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 okay Did Becca ask you guys to share yet 
I know. Would you share? Just this episode, you know someone that's chronically single that needs help. So send this to them. And then they're going to think you're being weird and passive aggressive and then be like, and in the first season, there's a a great episode about that. So go back. There you go. And listen. Um, Okay. We had a really hilarious Q&A that I want to share with you guys. Yes. Fantastic. Uh, Taylor writes, dear panty kickers, I have a question for you. What makes you qualified to answer questions? (laughs) (laughs) I love this question, Taylor. It's pretty amazing. I think it was meant to be a diss, but fuck it. We're going to, we're going to answer it. Both me and Becca both cracked up when we first heard this, this question. I love it. I love it because I, because I have an answer to it. So you asked a question, you will get an answer, my friend. I don't know if you're a man or a woman, but yeah, Taylor, tune in next week. Listen up. We'll tell you. (laughs) <laughs> we'll, we'll tell you we have qualifications out the wazoo <laughs> well thank you for listening this has been carolyn and becca saying there is something more and you are not out of time kicking the panties and taylor we'll get with you next week <laughs>